the space show show <laughs> we are one welcome to the great ship the space show show we are one what is it we i we read what is it i don't oh, listen okay. when we get to it <laughs> there's so much that episode had so much and nothing at all uh all of these episodes are what in the mystery science theater terminology we call deep hurting <laughs> well uh before we get to it space show show welcome uh i'm your host lieutenant commander rebecca frost joined by admiral carrie jackson and today we are talking about these episodes from season three the mark of gideon that which survives the lights of zaytar requiem from methuselah and the way to eden um some of these real drags yeah 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 <laughs> uh before we get started though uh, I've been going through my my Star Trek toys because I know you you enjoy them. Yes. And I I found one from way back the first episode of season two that I thought I had, and I found it, and it is uh, Kirk. With <gasps> dun, his, dun, 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 dun. Wow. You can see his shirt is split open. Yeah. And he's got the blood happening there. Oh, so, bum, there bum, it is. Bum, Shirtless bum, Kirk. What? <laughs> where? Uh, where was it? Just buried. Just buried in a box that I, I've been moving things around. I had my wall repaired in here, and so I had to take What was wrong with down. your wall? Oh, it's a story. Oh, <laughs> well. <laughs> Nobody cares. I mean, I care, that's why I asked, but that's a story for another time. I'll but today, we are talking about the Mark of Gideon. Kirk beams down to the planet Gideon and appears to find himself trapped on a deserted enterprise. Spock on the real enterprise must use his diplomatic skills to deal with an uncooperative inhabitant of Gideon and find the captain. This oh. one was a, a reverse war of the worlds. Kinda, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, the best character in this whole episode was the, the a-hole who was the diplomat going back and forth with spock with the lips with the if 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 and and you could see spock even with all of his no emotion thing he was getting pissed you know yeah spock i gotta say in this there's a couple of episodes in this group of episodes that we're talking about he's a dick and a buzzkill mm-hmm mm-hmm um yeah, this, uh, yeah, Kirk beams aboard, uh, well, he thinks he's beaming down to the planet Gideon, beams aboard, thinks he doesn't even leave the Enterprise, but the Enterprise is totally abandoned, except now for see, a hot lady. Now, see, again, how, how smart is this episode as far as the budget goes? They didn't have to... <laughs> You didn't have to build hardly anything, maybe just some costumes, but that was it, you know? Yeah, yeah, they had to costume up the ambassador. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I wish, and for the trivia for this episode, um, this episode was written by Stanley Adams, who had earlier guest starred as Cyrano Jones in The Trouble with Tribbles. Oh, Adams really? has become concerned over the issue of overpopulation, and during the production of Tribbles, mentioned to Gene Roddenberry that he thought it would be an interesting social topic for the series to address. However, Adams said that he was disappointed by the episode's final results, and oh. I would have to agree with him because I, I think the concept of overpopulation is something that should be talked about Absolutely. not that it was anything to be considered back in the 60s but now that we are here in 2023 
it's kind of a problem. I remember it being talked about in the 70s, absolutely. Uh, the hippies at the time of the 70s were talking about how it's going to be a problem in the future, and I remember that. Oh, but, welcome to the future. Exactly. But uh, no, I mean, it's interesting that the guy who was in the, who was the Tribble guy, who, you know, and they're, <laughs> they're everywhere. That's, that's fascinating that that mm -hmm. led to an overpopulation episode. I, w I would like an overpopulation episode, but not this one, because this, this handled it very poorly. Extremely poorly. It's yes. uh, the con the concept. I think was super fascinating. Where the the people, the ambassadors or whoever of Gideon have sent one of their daughters to go obtain a disease because the reason this planet's overpopulated is they have eradicated disease and um, it's they, just they live forever. Easy and to live. Too many of them. Yeah. And so <laughs> they shack this girl up with Kirk, hoping that she'll pick up a disease that he has been recorded to have in the past and <laughs> unlike his space syphilis that he might have his space syphilis <laughs> and i'm sure that the enterprise has just like mccoy's got the med base stocked uh, with we std don't, we don't have space syphilis or galaxy gonorrhea anymore jim uh, go ahead <laughs> have some fun uh. But, you know, she, they kiss and she contracts the disease and the whole time she's just misleading Kirk about her her whole intentions. You know, she even yeah. says, I don't even know what Gideon is. Honest, uh, I swear. You're a terrible liar, lady. Well, and then there's a moment when, when they do kiss and they are being observed by the Gideons. Oh, and yes. <laughs> uh, thank goodness for Lower Decks because because this it felt like a classic a classic menage situation just like a classic menage where they are people to be observed yep and all the people of gideon it's overpopulated it's overcrowded and apparently they don't really have any purpose because they just wander back and forth uh, in this crowded you know, whatever it is, is an observation window, I guess. And they're mm -hmm. all dressed the same and they all crowd in back and, and they're moving back and forth and they don't seem to be going anywhere. It's just, you know, they're just- Well, there's nowhere to go. I'm sure they only have like yeah. two square feet of movement unrelated. I watched a video about the science of um, crowd crushes. Very fascinating if- uh... oh. Okay. <laughs> I learned all about the who crush of the 70s. That oh, yes, was insane. Yes. Yep. Um, Happened here in Salt Lake, too, with ACDC. Yeah, yes, that's insane. I know. People be uh, crazy. But uh, this was not, uh, you know, because he says, okay, we need the disease to control the population. And Kirk, naturally, being the, Natch. you know, the swordsman that he is, said, what about birth control? Have you thought about that? Oh, no, no, no. If we had operations, it would just be repaired and it would grow back. There are devices, he said. He's talking about condoms. Uh, I, and this, I, this was the disconnect for me on this episode was, well, you know, we're so pro-life. Well, and I think, too, that's probably why that type of conversation kind of like went under the radar for the censors, because they are talking about topics like sterilization and birth control. And yeah. I think because they are like, oh, no, 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 no. That's why NBC was like, that's fine. <laughs> we concur. But, but how can a civilization that knows that it needs its people to start dying say, we're so pro-life, we won't use condoms? 
I mean, are pres- they Repub- They're all Republicans. That's I, all I, I could figure. I mean, same thing here. Like, if you look at, you know, there are people of certain ages, you know, in assisted living facilities who truly, if you ask them, they're like, just waiting to die. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Um. Un- also unrelated, I just finished a book called The Indifferent Stars Above, which is all about the Donner Party. Ooh, and well. in it is included a section about types of birth control used during that era. And uh, not a good time. Well, you and I watch uh, The Great on Hulu. Yeah. And they talk just stick about... stick a lemon. Just stick a lemon up there. <laughs> it's just the top of a lemon. There it is. You know. Uh, yeah, and this the this part of the book talked about like various douches <laughs> to use and yeah, yeah. lambskin condoms that were not cheap. Oh, and they're not cheap now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Scotty in this episode, he's kind of accidentally almost racist a lot, isn't he? Like I feel like he's kind of like got this deep deep down within he wants to say racist things but he doesn't and so when he gets like really mad it kind of just like comes out so like this this is a good episode where spock and scotty have more interactions which i've been dying for i've been dying for more scotty and spock interactions oh yeah and as, uh, as, as many stinkers as there are in season three there's a lot of great scotty moments which which ooh. just saves it you know yes yeah god bless scotty um mm-hmm. yeah yeah know <laughs> so she yeah. so she gets the disease and goes down to spread it like a plague rat on gideon and end well, of story is that well, not is that not star is that not contamination by starfleet well yes and no i guess but i mean they were already in you know spock and kirk and scotty and everybody were in so much trouble already for messing with this diplomat and messing with this guy so mm-hmm. much that they were like, okay, uh, she's got the disease. We're not going to let her die, though. We'll we'll make her a car- a carrier, you know, like mm-hmm. like Jim is, and uh, then we'll just you go do your thing, we'll go do our thing, and and that way Starfleet doesn't need to know, and 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 we'll just file reports and call it a day. Uh, the whole yeah the whole con there's there could have been such a great conversation with this episode Mm -hmm. if they if they hadn't of maybe it was the censors at cbs i don't know maybe uh, but the whole well but we're so pro-life we won't use condoms thing i think you could have really explored that whole situation mm-hmm. uh, i i it, this one left a bad taste in my mouth didn't care for yeah it. yeah like another, i said another, cool concept yeah. poor execution another problem with this episode kirk falling that madly in love with her after what an hour or two uh, i mean I, I, well apparently this is also like a, a point of issue amongst trekkies because this was in the trivia uh oh. for this episode i didn't include it but people were like kind of kind of silly that kirk or am i thinking of a different kirk falls in no love it with happens so many women. it happens a couple of times this season where he just falls madly in love with these women that he's just met you know and he loses um his his thinking capabilities of how to like properly command anything exactly. and i can't remember if it's this episode or Requiem from Methuselah, where somebody is like, "It's Methuselah." How, how come? Why Kirk? Like even even Edith Keeler, he still had his wits about him, even though yeah. she was apparently the love of his life. 
Well, and Edith Keeler made more sense. He was with her for a, a month or whatever it was that the mm -hmm. time passed. You know, this, he meets this woman. She's clearly a ditz, uh, lies to him. And yeah. Falls madly in love. Blonde. Mm. Blonde. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a match it's a, made in heaven. It's the type. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you just are explaining it. I'm like, yeah, like it, may, it makes okay. sense. It's not cool within the canon as a whole. Yeah. Um, nah, whatever. I, yeah, again, a lot of stinkers in this season. but Yeah, yeah. Right. I can definitely tell, usually when I start an episode, unless I'm like hooked immediately, this one I was like, kind of paying attention to other stuff and literally like the the intro is usually going to be the the um tester of like am yeah. i going to really pay attention to this episode for for me the best th the only thing i can recommend about this episode is the back and forth between the diplomat and spock the stuff with with scotty and spock and that's it that uh, that's all i cared about in this episode was anytime that stuff was going on i'm in you know what? Looking at the rest of these episodes, we got a lot of dangerous women. We got a string <laughs> of dangerous women in this next episode, that which survives. After the Enterprise landing party beams down to investigate a geologically interesting planet, their ship is hurled across the galaxy. Kirk and company find a deserted outpost guarded by a, the deadly image of a beautiful woman, Lee Merriweather of all people. The uh, third best cat woman. Third best. Third interesting. Best. Interesting. Julie Noir, Eartha Kitt. Lee Merriweather. <laughs> I guess that's inaccurate, but kind of crazy how like even even today you get actors actors who are in multiple um, fandom IPs, mm -hmm. and kind of interesting to see that in the '60s too, when there's even fewer. Like you have Batman, you have Star Trek, mm. both huge, reasonably huge shows at the time, especially Batman. Uh, and I, I think it's great that we had so many Batman people come over and be on Star Trek because it's like two of my favorite things. <laughs> well, and I think too, they get it, right? Like these are the same type of actors who get it or, and are in on the type of environment and show mm -hmm. that they're trying to sell. Well, and, and they're working actors, you know, they're like, uh, mm -hmm. I'm playing an alien. Okay. I'll be there. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not, should I, shouldn't I? It's like, oh, oh, okay. I'll be there at eight. Yeah. Um, because Kirk is once again stranded off the Enterprise, um, Spock is in charge. And this is the one where Spock is a real a-hole. Yes, this is the one. I told you. I said, you tell me if, if Spock is a dick in this one or not. He He's a is. huge butthole in this one. Because <laughs> Scotty and Uhura, they they try to speak with him in hypotheticals. And she's like, you know, Uhura's like, what are the odds that they're alive? And Scotty says, well, hypothetically, blah, blah, blah. And Spock is like not here to gamble, not here to talk about hypotheticals. Let's talk about the facts and try to find our people. And I'm exactly. like, I respect it. Cause I too, I really struggle. If somebody asks me a hypothetical question, I'm like, oh, but like, is a hot dog a sandwich? Like if we're thinking in a binary world, yes. But like, let's yeah. not talk about <laughs> hypotheticals. You don't like small talk, I see. Okay. Well, I mean, honestly, no, I don't. I wanna get, I wanna know what, how your parents messed you up like in the first <laughs> conversation see half of my professional life is small talk so you'll have to forgive me <laughs> no i i understand um i i like to get real deep into it just like immediately um which is why i think spock like i relate to him on a on a certain level but at the same time like wow man mm -hmm. lighten up yeah <laughs> 
yeah, he's uh, he he was a real dick in this one. But uh, at the same time, you want someone like that in charge, don't you? I mean, yeah, you know. that's why I do. You know, I if I'm in a situation where I'm on a starship, I would want a Vulcan with me at all times. Yeah. Oh, but you're gonna love that line in the motion picture then, where he says, "I I, I want a Vulcan in that seat." <laughs> oh, yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, it just makes sense. Um. Uh, but yeah, this this and they and then, uh, again the whole controversy of this episode is like, huh? S mm -hmm. Supercomputer wants to protect this planet. This planet, this planet. Um, oopsie! They created a virus and it killed all the people. And and its main defense mechanism is the memory log of this woman who was who had left a pre. It was very um serenity, like you know that part in Serenity where they come across the recording of like, hey. Whoa, whoops if yeah. you're seeing this message that's because i it's because this is i'm sorry we're all uh, dead yeah we're all dead and uh and it the computer can't create just a generic hot lady that kills everybody it has to create the generic hot lady that is specifically for sulu specifically for kirk and is she if you, if she touches you your cells explode from the inside and i'm that's sure McCurk <laughs> I'm sure McCoy is like, ah. <laughs> I'd like to go that way. No, that's that's his. That's right. That's like the transporter. That's like he's, the transporter, and I'm yeah, sure he's he, like, oh no. But uh, it was it was it, it was interesting. The the whole Lee Merriweather kind of wasted. She's a better actress than that. But mm -hmm. uh, you know the whole I am for Sulu. I am for McCoy. We used to do that when I was when we played Star Trek. My, me and my friend Spencer Peck. Who was always Captain Kirk, and I was fine with that. I was okay to be Spock. Uh, you know, we'd we'd go around doing it, going, "I am for <laughs> I am for Spock, I am for Kirk," you know, and try to touch. It was like tag. You know. Honestly, um, kudos to Kirk for resisting a hot woman telling him, "I must touch you," and him saying True. no. Brunette though. Brunette. <laughs> <laughs> easier and easier, easier to say rejection. No. <laughs> Got to be convinced. Got to be convinced. Yeah. Um. Again, Spock and Scotty having some good interactions in this one. Scotty, um, really highlighting he can be serious, uh, but he can also be kind of funny. Like, there's a line where Spock is like, "Hey, man, we've got X amount of minutes left," and Scotty says, "I don't need a blooming cuckoo clock." <laughs> <laughs> No, there, there's a lot of reasons why Scotty is one of the best characters in, in, in the whole series. You know, he's just he's terrific. absolutely grown on me. Uh, the one bit of trivia I had for this one, again, not a whole lot of trivia. Uh, Lieutenant Radha is the first explicitly Hindu character shown by the bright red dot on her forehead, known as a bindi, mm -hmm. and the first Enterprise Helms woman to appear in Star Trek. Yes. Uh, the actress also appeared in uh, the uh, Kirok episode. She was one of the natives. Oh, yeah, interesting. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, are you brown? <laughs> cool. <laughs> That'll work. Well, even if you're not, we'll paint you. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Just add some bronzer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like Sulu says, I don't want to have to kill a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to kill a woman, Captain. Uh, <laughs> I'll kill a woman if I have to. There's no right way to hit a woman. Uh, right. <laughs> speaking of women, the lights of Zatar, a mysterious oh. twinkling mass of sapient energy, ravages an important archive, and Scotty's new girlfriend may be linked to it. Listen, 
I was so, 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 so excited for Scotty to get a girlfriend. When, and when he, when he falls, he falls hard, doesn't he? Oh, my man's <laughs> a romantic. And, you know, the intro, he's so flirty and happy and giddy. And I was like, I'm so excited for Scotty. <laughs> and then the rest of the episode happened. Yeah. And um, whoa, I have words. First, first, I want to read this. This episode was co-written by Shari Lewis and her husband, Jeremy Tarcher. Lewis also lobbied to be cast in the guest role of Lieutenant Romaine, but she was denied the part. Lewis is the ventriloquist best known for characters such as Lamb Chop, Charlie Horse, and Hush Puppy. Yes. So I kind of immediately just assumed it was going to be pretty female friendly. Um, well, but then they rewrote it. <laughs> she she submitted the script idea. They rewrote it and and mm. took her name off of it because she How was brutal. married. She was married to one of the production people on the show, as I recall. Yeah, so and her husband is Jeremy. Whoops, ah, Jeremy Tarcher. Let's find out what his deal and is. He was he was involved in the show somehow. Like he wrote something or anyway. But uh, Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop, you'd see them uh, I, growing up, you know, all the time on TV. They were on The Tonight Show or they were on, uh, of course, they had the, the kids show, but they were also on uh, Hollywood Squares all the time. And it was just her and her sock puppet, Lamb Chop. Uh, and I got, I have a lamb, I have a Lamb Chop. You do? Love my little Lamb Chop puppet. Yeah. Oh, cute. Uh, yeah. The song that never ends, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I had also, <laughs> I had, I watched this episode yesterday and yesterday I also happened to have a gyno appointment. So mm. I am mm. just very much like, Ooh, let's listen to women when they say things <laughs> <laughs> because the, there's, you know, the villain is a bunch of sparkly lights and the, the sparkly lights get onto the ship and infect her somehow. And, um, in the in the synopsis because i like to read the synopsis also when i watch it helps me like kind of keep track of what's happening it says that sh she's irritable after this encounter and like yeah she, no duh she was she was very yeah. I, I was just like you know why is kirk putting up with this <laughs> yeah but, but i was like i would also be irritated if I was infected by sparkly lights and you know, McCoy is giving her the once over and asking her questions about what happened. And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, I need you to be cooperative with me. And she's like, I don't know. And I'm just sitting on my couch screaming, <laughs> just listen to women. This is why I only see female doctors is because they, every time I've seen a male doctor, uh -huh. just yeah. never ever listened to and all of the people all of the other men that are there too are talking about her in front of her like she's an invalid and then thank <laughs> god nurse chapel comes in and she's she has some wise remark about how like mm, maybe you guys are being assholes and i'm like thank you <laughs> nurse chapel my God. And then Scotty for the rest of the episode is so condescending to her. And she has transformed from like at the beginning of this episode, I'm expected her, I'm expected to believe she's like this knowledgeable kind of tough cookie. And then she gets infected by sparkly lights and suddenly she's a baby who has to be 
infantilized and talked to like she doesn't know what she's doing. Well, and that's that's the way, you know, the why Scotty was talking to her that way is because, well, uh, I think the relationship might have been age inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> she was awfully young and he is awfully old. So maybe he, yeah, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But uh, yeah, there, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of problems with this episode. All like, for example, okay. So these are beings that are like, that are light, right? The lights of Zetar. Mm -hmm. Okay. The, 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 the population of the planet transformed into light. This is their souls or whatever, their essence. <laughs> so they get into Mira and the way to get rid of them is to stick her in a, a hyperbaric chamber mm -hmm. and increase the atmospheres to the point where it would have crushed her into a peanut sized thing. Cause they're talking yeah. about how many atmospheres did they go? Look, I'm telling you, you go under, you go underwater with that many atmospheres and it's like that sub with the rich people on mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. you know, it's just going to compact you into a tin can size thing. It would have killed her. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. I, you but know, you know what, you know, I hate what? to be that geek. But... No, but you know what kept her alive? And I'm definitely not at all mad about it was the man's love for her. Mm -hmm. Because God forbid a woman be successful on her own. But no, it was because the man <laughs> loved her so much. She stayed alive. Yep. Uh... Alive for you, Scotty. And then they just apparently after this episode, they just drop her off. Where she yeah. has to, she has well, to rebuild Memory Alpha or something. They're on their way to Memory Alpha, which, by the way, has no shields. And both Kirk and I had the same reaction of, what? Do you exactly. mean Memory Alpha doesn't have shields? It's only the, uh, all of the knowledge of the, of, you know, of everything uh, stored yeah. there. Uh, we, we don't need to protect it, do we? Uh, it's fine. Nobody's, eh, what is there to raid? It's not like it's a gas it's station. It's just knowledge. <laughs> and we learn later in The Way to Eden, the free access to knowledge can be dangerous, but we'll talk about that later. Um, the, the, the special effects in this episode, kind of cool. I had, Carrie lent me his DVDs, um, so I could watch the original unremastered versions. I haven't popped those bad boys in yet. However, uh, the effects of this episode, um, where the, the sparkly lights, totally dismantle like your central nervous system and cause like internal brain hemorrhaging. Um, <laughs> that sequence was actually pretty scary. The, uh, the, when the lights take over her or when, so when they get to memory alpha, I think it's no, or whatever planetoid, wherever. And there's other people who have been infected by these lights. Uh, like the one lady in particular, how she is just like on the ground and her mouth is like as wide as it can possibly go and making those gurgling noises. And then the lighting effect on the face, that was actually pretty scary. That was good. Now, now I want you to go and look at the original effects and yes. tell me if it did the same <laughs> back then. I think you'll find no. Well, I mean, I'll just try to think like, uh, yeah. like I lived in the sixties. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have another note too. Sometimes I think these episodes could just be 30 minutes long. This one could have been an animated mm -hmm. series episode, you know, there was a whole lot of time spent just zooming in on eyeballs. 
(laughs) (laughs) But okay, so uh, now back to the hyperbaric chamber. Again, would have killed her. Mm -hmm. But it kills light. They were in space. The lights were in space. (laughs) Carrie, it sounds like you're asking a whole lot of questions. I hate to be that geek, but come (laughs) on. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, because their explanation was the the entity is used to existing in a floating stasis. Then the listen, we hadn't we hadn't been to the moon just quite yet. Yeah, it's right. on its way. We didn't know. Whatever. Requiem okay. from Methuselah. On a planet looking for an urgent medicinal cure, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy come across a dignified recluse living privately but in splendor with his sheltered ward and a very protective robot servant. This episode, described as a tragic love story, was first aired on Valentine's Day, February 14th, 1969. Oh, nice. How nice. And once again, Kirk meets a woman, knows her for an hour, falls (laughs) madly in love. Blonde. Blonde, exactly. Blonde pointy boobs. Now, this episode, as I was watching it, I'm like, because I didn't think about this when I was a kid watching it. I was just, you know, pretty girl. That's all I was focused mm-hmm. on. But as I'm rewatching it now, I'm like, oh, this is this is Forbidden Planet. This is the, the movie Forbidden Planet. And then I went, it's The Tempest, because that's it what Forbidden Planet is based on. And What do you mean you weren't thinking that when you were a kid? You weren't well versed in the works of Shakespeare or or Forbidden Planet. <laughs> I didn't see Forbidden Planet until I was probably in my late teens, early twenties. You know, and that was um, when I started to you know learn about because I had been exposed to Star Wars, and I and I realized there's a whole history of this type of movie I need to explore. Mm. It's not just Star Wars and Star Trek, and that's when. Starlog Magazine, which was my, oh boy, I look forward to that coming every month, man. Starlog Magazine, because it would it would talk about upcoming stuff, but it would also go back in history and say, here are things that you need, to, here are shows that you should explore. And here are the writers that you should explore. And Forbidden Planet was one of them, and I finally saw it. Kind of slow, but I got it. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it was all, yeah, anyway, sorry. Um, no, but I also, you know, I, you know, I got about halfway through and I was like, oh, this is the, this is the Tempest. Um, <laughs> Spock, while investigating this guy's palatial estate or whatever, he experiences, he's so close to experiencing an emotion and that emotion is envy and McCoy is just like, whoa, hey, whoa, <laughs> hey. Um, I, I have described this episode in two different ways. Uh, this is highbrow Harry Mud because <laughs> the blonde lady is an android. <laughs> There's no way yeah. a woman could be so smart and have the equivalent of 17 degrees. Um, and she also, has to be fake, right? She can't be real. Women's brains are not that big. <laughs> and also, uh, this is an incels fanfic. Ooh. Ooh. I know they might be fighting words, but um... you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> I'm alone on my planet with all of my stuff and my robot girlfriend. You're not also, wrong. Also, let's talk about so this guy Flint, he's uh from Earth, um, born in like early, like three thousand ish BC Mesopotamia. BC. Yeah. Um 
and he's immortal. He he goes to battle one day and discovers he's immortal. And I'm like, okay, please don't just breeze by that. I need to know more about that. How? How have you just become immortal? Because then, of course, once he leaves Earth and goes to do what he's th- whatever it is that he's doing, he starts to age normally. So what is this about Earth? What was well, it a and, curse? And he's the only one, and it would be a blessing and a curse. Oh, that we know of. He's the only one that we know of. Yeah, that's true. Um, this character does come back in a couple of books, apparently. And oh, interesting. A couple of books. A couple of books I read, and and I didn't realize it until I was looking at the notes for this episode. Uh, Federation is one of the books, and I read that one. And I'm like, he's in there. Hmm. Uh, and he's he, he's also an associate of Zephyr and Cochran at one point in, in oh. one of the books. So, I mean, they're not canon, of course, but right. it's just kind of interesting that they did that. Interesting. Um, but again, I know they talk, you know, they, there's all there's all kinds of talk about like, hey, maybe being immortal isn't cool. And I'm like, this guy's really selling it for me, though, <laughs> <laughs> because also they're doing the they're doing the thing that we've talked about a couple of times. And again, thank God for Lower Decks, because even Beckett is like humans are the worst in in the menage episode with moopsie she goes god yeah humans are the worst and i'm like mm-hmm. thank you for acknowledging that but <laughs> because he creates this android and the whole point of you know kirk getting kirk to like fall in love with the android is to help get the android to a place where it can experience like sentience and um the oh. human feelings and and the robot's like yeah i'm human now and very excited about it and like <laughs> it was okay so so this is this is this smart guy's plan is i need her to experience love so what do i do captain kirk of course uh but but he didn't and i i don't as smart as he was i don't think this occurred to him okay i'm gonna teach her how to love will that make me jealous i Nah, certainly not. Well, yeah, yeah. it will. Uh, you know, you're going to be jealous. How many thousands of years have you lived and you haven't figured out these basic, basic things? Of course, but also, you will be like, the man even says, "I've had, I've experienced a hundred wives and a hundred wives' deaths, and I, I've seen death over and over and over again." Because mm-hmm. he's trying to, argue, Kirk is trying to argue with him, and the man, I trust experience above all else, right? Like this man is like, "Listen, I have been through a lot of wars and experienced a lot of death, Kirk." you don't know what you're talking about you aren't just the mary sue of the universe who -hmm. can just come in and not defy this one universal law um yeah but and also Mm -hmm. they they have you know when it, it comes to pass that we know that the that she is an android and the whole goal is to like try to make her sentient and let her go out into the the world or whatever Mm -hmm. um even spock says hey uh this is dangerous and nobody asks him more about that because (laughs) it is like you know the dangers of ai like is it going to get to a point where it can think for itself and just make choices that is like pretty dangerous yes oh why aren't we thinking about that Again, the cool concept of this, you know, guy who's lived forever, that's a great concept. But then, of course, the 
ham-fisted late 60s male mentality is in the script writing and all that is kind of uh yeah kind of ruining it but uh, yeah I, I, yeah it's it's forbidden planet i think that somebody saw forbidden <laughs> planet and went oh okay let me rip that off and <laughs> there is a moment towards the end though because kirk is being such a drama queen about oh, losing God. this lady robot and like it's insane how dramatic he's being about this and even spock is like what what is the deal and mccoy didn't know he was such a romantic has this great speech you see i feel sorry i to, he says to spock you see i feel sorrier for you than i do for him referring to kirk because you'll never know the things that love can drive a man to do the ecstasies the miseries the broken rules the desperate chances the glorious failures and glorious victories all of these things you'll never know simply because the word love isn't written into your book Whoa! Great. It's a great speech, but it also mm -hmm. shows how little McCoy knows about Spock. Totally, because the gay boys, Spock <laughs> goes and mind melds with Kirk to help him forget the hot lady robot in an act of like mm -hmm. love and self sacrifice. Which was, you know, <sighs> that, that whole scene was something because Kirk puts his head down and is immediately asleep. Just immediately. Yeah, and I'm like, no, come on, come on. Nobody can do that. Nobody. I'm sorry. Uh, Not even the tiredest toddler can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen a toddler scream, ah, and then boom. It, it just doesn't happen. Well, I, but, mean, I mean, we also don't spend a whole lot of time around toddlers. That's true. You and I. Uh, yeah. But, but that was a, a kind of a nice moment. But at mm -hmm. the same time, didn't get permission, did he? Uh, you know, he just went in. He just went no, in. No, because and... he went in and did a good thing for his friend. That's true. That's true. But uh, forget. You know, I, which I thought was... Was it... Yeah, was it an action of kindness? Or was it a self-serving action because he knew Kirk was going to be so annoying about this for the next that's, couple of days? That's the question. Is it, I need my captain back to do the job? <laughs> or is it, I'm your friend and I'm going to help? Mm -hmm. We don't know with Spock, and that shows how little we know about Spock. Boom. Well, there it is again. Well, we do know Spock um, makes a great liaison as we make our way to the way to Eden. A group of idealistic hippies led by an irrational leader come aboard the USS Enterprise. Oh, this man. was the longest episode I have ever seen in my entire life. I forgot how slow it crawled along. Uh, well, yeah. it's... It is long. To, it's like 59 minutes long. <laughs> it was 50% jam sessions. <laughs> okay, so essentially the Enterprise rescues a space VW bus full of people. And because they're pushing their shuttlecraft to extremes like this shuttlecraft is going to explode and they're not doing mm -hmm. anything about it so they beam the people on board huge mistake because these are the most <laughs> annoying people on the planet and i can and because this is 1969 i can only imagine the equivalent is like in the like in um the aughts when tv shows were making fun of millennials and hipsters all the time mm -hmm. like oh this is just that this is just mainstream media making fun of hippies and counterculture movements mm -hmm. what it's so aggravating i uh, yeah i hear comedians all the time talking about when they would watch talk shows or game shows or whatever it was when the beatles were starting to show up 
And people like Bob Hope and, you know, that ilk, uh, Frank Sinatra, would, would make jokes about them and dress like them. This is about the time of laughing and everything. Like <laughs> they weren't like this is a passing fad. It's just not going to, you know, it's not going to stick around at all. And then they'd even dress like them in the narrow jackets and the the wigs and, and do sketches, you know. And, yeah. And it was so... I'm an old guy making fun of you young kids. I don't understand the future I don't and understand. these exactly. youths. <laughs> you could tell that the people who made this episode were, I don't understand these kids and the way that they're dressed and all that. <laughs> there was a lot of that element here. And Kirk was the guy who had to be the man, you know? Uh, yeah, because... He was the well, man. They because they call they they call him Herbert. They call people who are like too rigid and stuck in the rules Herbert, which I guess is like an inside joke regarding to somebody who works on the show named Herbert. Um, <laughs> and they call Kirk Herbert, and Kirk asks Spock because Spock speaks cult. By the way, he speaks. He yeah, <laughs> he asks Spock why they were calling me Herbert. What does that mean? And he's like, well, it's less than complimentary. It means someone who is a rule follower and pretty rigid in their command. And Kirk is like, oh, <laughs> I see. And I was like, Kirk, I get it too. I have also really received some less than complimentary insults this week. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I Definitely uh, understand that what you're feeling right now. But you could tell that Kirk was hurt that he wasn't the he wasn't the hep cat. You know, he wasn't the hep cat. And the hippie girls wanted nothing to do with him. He, you could tell this was putting him off his feet. This this was upsetting. It's like I see TikToks of Gen Z making fun of millennials, and I'm like, yeah, this is true, but ow, that wasn't very nice. <laughs> um kirk also <laughs> i can't remember who he's talking to but he says regrettably the space shuttle was destroyed and i had the heartiest laugh of the whole episode <laughs> because kirk is like we should have just left him on that space shuttle. Just left him. then we find out that this guy leading the space hippies dr severin with the cauliflower uh, ear yeah uh, starfleet uh, the 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 bureaucrats say you got to be nice to this guy because he's the son of or related as to somebody. most counterculture movement yeah. leaders are they're the chill they're nepo babies but, yeah. but they just use their powers for evil in different exactly. ways but it's clear that this guy severin was a stand-in for either charles manson or uh, uh maybe someone less threatening Prob so, you know, like probably um what year was um um Oh, not Heaven's Gate. The other, you know, the other one, uh, Koresh. David Koresh. Uh, it was. It wasn't that one. That was late seventies or. Uh, that 70s. yeah. Um, uh, no, that's Andy, Waco. Okay, what am I thinking of? The guy they went to Central America, and Jim Jones. Jim that's what yeah. I'm thinking of. I think it was more of a yes, a cult leader in that. You know, he had control over the youth and would say the right things, but also, uh, oh, I forgot the guy's name. Steal this book. The guy, do tune in, turn on, and drop out. Oh, hit me up in the comments down below. Get and, in the comments. And, and tell Steal me. the but Abby. He was a, no, that's Abby, Abby Hoffman. Hoffman. Abby yeah. Hoffman. Thank you very much, Abby Hoffman. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, it, it, there's an A. Ugh. There's an A. I know it. 
but yeah, kind of an <laughs> Abby Hoffman character in there, uh, you know, in that he holds sway over these, you know, young people who will on, on his word, do whatever needs to happen. Uh, so, you know, it was a little bit of that. They were trying to do some social commentary and it was just really ham fisted was the problem. <laughs> One of my notes here is the heaviest hand because they, <laughs> they uh, jumping ahead because from this moment up until when they actually do find the planet Eden, because they're on the search for the for an Eden, um, all of the space in between those two events is just jam jam sessions where the one guy has songs and then Kirk comes in with his instrument and the lady. Imagine being that lady and just doing that with that wheel and string, just like <laughs> act like you're playing an instrument and she's just pretend, like yeah, pretend it's an instrument. Okay, I'll try. Um, oh my god! And everybody on the ship is getting swayed by jazz <laughs> man uh, and Chekhov gets a whole b plot what i don't think we've seen a b plot before in this show have we because... i mean he was only he was only semi horny Chekhov this time though only well because he had his heart broken by one of the hippies arena arena who, who was also they... on one of my mother's soap operas, uh, As the oh. World Turns. That's the actress, yes. Um, because they were in the academy together and she broke his heart by just up and leaving. And, um, you know, she uses her feminine wiles to steal some crucial information from him about how the ship works and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And uh, th so they get to Eden. Here's where the heaviest of hands comes in. The planet is uninhabitable because everything is what? acid yes. air quotes acid man <laughs> how bad is acid you guys and then also the <laughs> the other annoying cult guy adam eats one of the fruits of eden and dies in case the hand wasn't heavy enough his Ooh. name was adam boom mm -hmm. that's there's your ham fist right there boom uh, yeah. and, and and it just and again it was so very heavy-handed that i mean they 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 go down to the planet all the hippies are in the are in the shuttle because the grass you know the floor is lava. everything is acid <laughs> the floor <Yeah>. is lava <laughs> and this again this bothered me it's like, well, let's get you, <laughs> let's get you out of the shuttle. And I'm like, why? Yeah, why? <laughs> when they're like pulling them out, I'm like, why? What are you doing? No, the floor is the floor is lava. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then this really smart Dr. Severin, the leader of the hippies, he decides, screw it, I'm going out, and climbs the tree and eats the fruit and dies and yeah, oh. just so heavy ham fisted. Uh, it's just, but. You know, I again, did a lot it, of um, impatient huffing during this episode. Just a lot of <sighs> <laughs> waiting for the next scene. Now, the actor who played Adam, the guitar-playing mm -hmm. hippie. Yes. Uh, Charles Napier is his name. Huge resume. Huge resume, huge teeth, as a matter of fact. Also, <laughs> yeah. uh, also shows up later in uh, a couple of Star Trek episodes. I, I, I know for sure he was in a Deep Space Nine episode called Little Green Men, where he plays a general hmm. at Area 51. Uh, but he is also uh, Tucker McElroy, lead singer, driver of the Winnebago, of the good old boys on the Blues Brothers. 
And uh, he, uh, I managed to interview him, and he said, uh, he said, I, I don't remember much about that episode except that costume that they made me wear. I had to walk around with my joint hanging out. Woof! Yeah, did not conceal much, did it? And apparently, to get he the had part, more hair than costume. Yes, uh, to get the part, he jumped up on a table and sang a Broadway tune for them. And uh, so that's how he got the part. Of course he did. Yeah, of course he did. <laughs> but he sings the legendary, and I used to sing this with Jeff Weiss all the time when, when things would get quiet, we'd just start going, heading out to Eden, yeah, brother. Uh, just only, uh... all, all I have to do is do that, and Jeff would just start giggling uncontrollably because we all knew what it terrible episode this is <laughs> yeah my string of notes is another song from this guy the amount of impatient huffing i'm doing lord help me with these songs this is such a long ass episode it was uh, it, this was like another one that you said could be 30 minutes should have been 30 minutes should have been 30 minutes long but no we had to have songs uh yeah. james Doohan duhan stated that this was his least favorite episode and i do not blame him well, I didn't get to do anything. I didn't have a girlfriend or nothing. I just had <laughs> to sit and I had to sit in harumph about space hippies. You know. <laughs> I mean, it's in his character. Walter Koenig was highly critical of the writing for this episode. In particular, he felt Chekhov was written to be too authoritative, rigid, and by the book, a complete contrast from his usual and intended characterization. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I also listen. disagree. <laughs> yeah, listen. Here's the thing. Walter Koenig is wrong more than he is right. Uh, <laughs> he had to be this way because the girl left Starfleet to go be a space hippie. You stayed in the military, buddy. I'm sorry. And you're going to follow mm -hmm. orders. And I think he does a really good job of showing, like, maybe this portrayal of his character is just you know accentuated even more because he's playing against a space hippie who is like the who is the opposite of everything that he is now yes, like exactly. he he can still be fun and horny mm -hmm. but he also knows that he works for starfleet and he's got to do starfleet mm -hmm. stuff and you can you can be bold two things can be true yeah i mean honestly out of all of the original cast members um I always felt that the one who never really understood his character was Walter Koenig. I don't mm. think he ever understood it because I don't think he bothered to either do the internal acting thought process himself or ask somebody, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I think he just, he got the script in the morning and went, okay, and went and did it. You know? Do you know who I think has a similar approach but does it better? Uh, Sulu. I think the way yeah. that George Takei plays Sulu is hilarious because I literally in this same episode I have a note that Sulu is such a himbo because <laughs> he's talking to the hippies and he's being pretty convinced by the hippies and then Kirk comes over and Kirk or Kirk is Spock or who I can't remember who comes over and they're like hey what's going on over here and Sulu's like huh? Just talking to these hippies. Yeah, I mean, the the problem that uh, that George Takei had was that he just wasn't given really a lot to do. I mean, if you if you take a look at what Sulu had to do compared to what Chekhov got to do, he has like almost nothing to do. Poor, you know, poor George Takei, and I don't blame him for being angry that Sulu didn't get to do anything. I get it, you know. Mm -hmm. 
But Sulu, yeah, he really milks the time that he does have on screen. And I really appreciate that mm -hmm. <laughs> from him. I mean, uh, in the JJ verse, I, I think that that Sulu character is much more fleshed out and believable. Oh, yeah, totally. Than the original series Sulu, you know? Yeah. And, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you guys were so excited for me to get to Space Hippies and woof, woof. Again, it's deep hurting. <laughs> <laughs> Herbert, 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 Herbert. <sighs> well, let's just, start, let's just start calling Lee Herbert because he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> I think, why don't we start doing it just like on the show and see if he notices. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll try that on the next episode. Remember. Okay, I will I mean, give. I will do I mean, my best. Remember, or I mean, forget. No. Oh. Anyway, uh, this ADHD brain of mine probably will forget, uh, unless you tell me in the comments. Um, but <laughs> that's so. Gonna do it. Uh, so we only have five more episodes left of season three. So uh, we have actually four more episodes of season three, but that's then right. we are going to watch the cage. Um, after which i think i still think is a good idea because we'll we'll do another episode where we watch the remaining four episodes of season three and the remaining four episodes of the original series and then i think okay. we'll do a separate episode where we just talk about the cage you know just a short sweet you know this so, is the very beginning compared to the very end so you want me to rewatch not the one with kirk and spock and and uh, the guy in the wheelchair you want me to watch the, the original, the pilot? The super duper okay. original pilot, yes. The original pilot, okay. That's what yeah. we'll do. And if you're following along at home, um, that's gonna be the timeline of events. We'll we'll watch the next four episodes of the original series and then we'll watch The Cage and do a fun discussion of, you know, then versus now. And uh, then we are going to dive into the animated series. <sighs> now I gotta <laughs> warn you. Kara's not very excited about this. I'm giving you a heads up right now, Rebecca. I'm telling you because I finished season three with Turnabout Intruder, which, again, is a shit show, but not as much of a shit show as I remember. But anyway, uh, and I thought, okay, well, I'd better start work on the animated series, right? I got 15 minutes into the first one, and I hit pause, and I... I looked at my dogs who were sitting there and I said, <laughs> do I need to text Rebecca and tell her I'm not sure I can do this? <laughs> because Listen, man. we all make sacrifices. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just bad. I mean, it, anyway. Well, right. I mean, we can, we can discuss how we want to format it, but I, <laughs> I am sorry. This is the homework you have been assigned. <laughs> you want listen carrie you wanted me to watch star trek this is the monster that you have created i know you're my frankenstein and i'm sorry <laughs> i mean i'm sorry but i'm not sorry i'm, I'm happy i'm thrilled that you love mm -hmm. star trek so much mm -hmm. i didn't think that you would dive in and embrace it so much i honestly thought i'd get yeah eh, you know <laughs> but yeah i'm no. glad you're i'm glad you're part of the church and, and i welcome you every <laughs> sunday and, but at the same time you know, maybe you're becoming a little too hardcore of a churchgoer. <laughs> Listen, I soon will become the leader. 
You'll be the high priestess of Trek. I'm yes. going to be the high priestess of Trek. Well, um, until then, thank you for joining us this week. And we'll see you next week where we continue to go where no man has gone before, but uh, a lot of people have gone before. Uh, talk to you later. Whoosh.